0: Well, I've learned a couple of very valuable lessons over the last few days. First, there's a lot of people in the media that are anti-Semites. And also, despite the fact that Twinkies could survive a nuclear Armageddon, they can't survive the worst apocalypse of them all, and that is unions. It's November 19th, 2012. He's been shunned by commercial radio. Unable to be bought and paid for by corporate America, and running on the fossil fuel of common sense. For those of us that choose to live dangerously in the radical middle, welcome to the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. Now the world. I don't know about you, but I've got bids in on eBay for a couple of boxes of Twinkies. Did you see how much people are willing to pay for a box of Twinkies? They're going for 70, 80. I'm seeing one for a hundred dollars a box up on eBay right now. There are people that are willing to pay a hundred dollars a box for friggin' Twinkies. You paid like two or three bucks for it two, three weeks ago. From the Hostess website, this is a quote from the CEO, Gregory F. Rayburn. He says, quote, we deeply regret the necessity of today's decision, but we do not have the financial resources to weather an extended nationwide strike. Hostess Brands will move promptly to lay off most of its 18,500-member workforce and focus on selling its assets to the highest bidders. Way to go, unions. Way to go. Welcome in. It's the zip code famous Michael Groff Show on a Monday. We're here. Mike at KMGX.com is our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. Groff Show on Google Talk. Michael Graff on Twitter and for all Michael Graff related stuff. You can go to the one and only MichaelGroff.com. While you're there, you can leave your feedback on our comments section. You can listen to this or any other podcast of ours. You can make a donation to this program. And of course, you can get interactive with us. The Twitter feed is actually up on MichaelGroff.com as well. Um, you can email us there. There's just, look, it's all linked up. It's there. It's cool. It's the one and only MichaelGroff.com. So the scoreboard right now shows unions one, hostess zero. Oh, and of course, uh, the other part of the scoreboard, the other column that you don't see there is total net jobs from this uh, particular union. 18500 Congratulations. It's very interesting, the irony behind the union in the first place. Most of the people that belong to unions are of the liberal sort of progressive mindset where they believe in the collective. They believe in doing for the greater good. And in this case, the greater good would have been to do what the Hostess company wanted them to do. Look, Hostess was having a lot of trouble. They've been having financial trouble for the last several years, as have many companies in this economy. So they came to uh, the union and said, look, we need you guys to take a temporary six to 8% pay cut and a reduction in your benefits, and we're, we're going to stop paying into your pension for right now. This is only temporary until we get things going again, until the economy starts to pick back up. And you know what the union said? No. And, and Hosta said, listen, if you guys don't do this, if you don't do this, we very well could go bankrupt. All right, we could go out of business and everybody could lose their jobs. Not only that, the union then said, you know what? Screw you. We're not taking your pay cut. We're not doing this. We're walking out. And they said, look, if you walk out, everything goes down the tubes. You guys lose. We lose. You're going to lose 18,000. All of you, every one of you is going to lose a job. We're going to lose this company. And so guess what? The union, instead of doing for the greater good, nope, they were looking out for themselves ultimately. The hostess company came to them and said, hey, listen, really, we need you guys to help us out here a little bit. We just need a slight restructuring. Union said, screw you, man. Screw you. We need this. Nope. Uh, Look, we're going to go out of business, though. Nah, nah, we're looking for, we're actually looking for a pay increase. Well, we can't give that to you right now because the economy just isn't favoring that. Well, that's too bad. That sounds like a you problem. That is the mentality of unions. Back at the turn of the 20th century, the unions were necessary. Oftentimes, employers took advantage of their labor force. You had people that would be forced to work 12 or 14 or 16 hour days for absolutely terrible pay. The working conditions were unsanitary, unhealthy. And it just came to the point where people had to band together. And as a collective unit, say to the employer, we are not taking this crap anymore. And that's that. And so they unionized. And really, unions grew out of that from the early 20th century. And that was fine. That was where unions were necessary. But the pendulum, as it always does, started to swing to the other direction. And before you knew it, we were back, we were in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s when unions such as the UAW, the United Auto Workers Union, they grew to be mega powerful and people got just ridiculous amounts of compensation for their work well above what the market was otherwise going to demand because you were in a union. You would be getting 30 and $40 an hour oftentimes for minimal work, all these breaks and all these regulations and, oh, I can't come in and work overtime. I, I, I Listen, I want to help you out, man, but the union says... Then there was the Airline Workers Union, which, of course, Ronald Reagan famously told them to get back to work when they were threatening to go on strike. When they actually did, they were going on strike. And Ronald Reagan, even though he really had no authority to step in, he did. And people listened to him because he was the president of the United States. But really unions just kept growing more and more powerful. And you wonder why Detroit looks like it does today. This is not, this is one of those times I'm actually not slamming on Detroit. I'm telling you why Detroit is in the shape that it's in today. Because the unions got so powerful that companies said, look, we can't handle unions and the increasingly competitive automotive market. So you know what, man? We're done. We're out. We're going to go someplace where we don't have to worry about paying guys 50 bucks an hour for doing nothing. We're going to go someplace where um, we're going to go and uh, we're going to hire Sanjay and some turban wearing dude over there in India. We're going to go over to China. We're going to go someplace else and we're going to get people for uh, a tenth of the cost, a fiftieth of the cost that we're doing here. So the unions managed to price the automotive market right out of business here in the United States. Congratulations to the unions. And once again, the unions have killed off another slice of Americana. Yes, the very things that contribute to our high obesity rate make us all a bunch of fat asses. The Twinkie. It wasn't just the Twinkie, by the way. Uh, Hostess brands, they make the Twinkie, the Ding Dong, the Ho-Ho. They make, uh, man, I I love, they make um, these little donut gems, these little pack of donuts, like the mini six donuts in a package thing. Uh, I think those are actually made by Dolly Madison, but that's a subsidiary of Hostess brands. So even things like Zinger's, which are kind of uh, Twinkie-like in nature, but they're, uh, they're usually, they're like chocolate, I think. And they have the cream filling. Oh my God, Zingers, when I was a kid, I used to eat those damn things all the time. Twinkies and Zingers and Ho-Hos and all that. And, um, you know, uh, it was crazy. It's crazy to think that that's going to be gone. It basically is gone. Now, somebody is probably gonna step in and start buying up all the marketing, all the merchandise and the name, Hostess Brands Incorporated. They're going to buy that up. Somebody will come along and probably resurrect the company. But who knows? It's hard to say. For now, the brand is pretty much dead. And of course, America being what it is, uh, people went out, they bought up a bunch of boxes of Twinkies and now they're all putting them up on eBay for... 50 bucks a box, 100 bucks. I saw someone had one up over the weekend for $500 a box. Some, I don't know if they actually wound up selling it, but $500 a box, somebody had some Twinkies up over the weekend. And you can blame unions for this. This is not spin. Look, Hostess Brands is not some multinational corporation that was just trying to maximize their profits. They were actually a company that was struggling already. They were already in bankruptcy court once, uh, for whatever financial restructuring and and trying to get everything back on track, and they went to the workers and said, "Please, we really want to keep this company open. We want you guys to have your jobs. We just need you to restructure." And, this, and the people in the in there said, "No, we're not going to do it. Uh, you know, we, we want to help you. It's the it's the old standard line. We want to help you, man. We do, but you know, the union, gosh, yeah, they just, you know, they won't let us do that." So, as a result of the union, as a result of the greed, you're now out 18,500 jobs. Congratulations. Twinkie is dead, thanks to the union. That's who you blame for this. Now, look, before you send in your hateful emails and comments about me and how I hate on all unions, earlier this season, I stuck up for the referees in the NFL. I said that the officials union, I was right on their case. I was saying, hey, man, these guys are making a great point. The NFL... They can shell out a few more bucks for these officials. They can shell out a few more bucks for their pension. That's what they were already getting, and now you're taking it away from them. The NFL doesn't need to restructure. The NFL is not Hostess Brands Incorporated. The NFL is making money hand over fist. And really, we were talking about just a few million bucks to help out the refs. In a $5 billion league, we were talking about a few million bucks, a drop in the bucket for these officials. That was the difference in the contract. So, no, I don't think that the the two are the same. Sometimes a union has a good point. Uh, Very rarely. You know, the teachers union in Chicago is another example of one where, really, if I were in charge, I would have just fired all those teachers. I would have said, all right, you guys want to go on strike. See ya. We're hiring other teachers. Now Hiring. Now hiring other teachers. Come on in. Come on in, everybody. And you know, the funny thing is there were some people at the Hostess brand, some of the people on the uh, in the union that crossed the picket line and said, you know what? I need the job. I'm going to work. You guys can have your stupid little principals and your little par- pity party here and all this. I-, I need a job. I need to put food on the table. So that's what I'm going to do. And people were vilified for it. I can't believe somebody would vilify another human being for trying to do what's best for themselves or their family. Well, um, look, man, uh, we got to stand up here. We can't let this big company that's filing for bankruptcy tell us that it needs to restructure. We know that they're just making money hand over fist on the Twinkie. I mean, how can they not? America's a bunch of fat asses, so they have to be making money hand over fist, right? Yeah, pick up a newspaper, guys. Take a look. It's kind of a little bit of a recession, an economic downturn that's going on right now. So. When you guys don't have Twinkies anymore and when you don't have your job and when you're standing there at the soup kitchen, you can only blame yourselves for all of this. All right, uh, elsewhere in the news, things were really heating up over the weekend in Gaza. The Hamas, uh, they've been firing off rockets left and right. Just on Sunday alone, they lobbed another 100 rockets into Israeli territory. The Israelis have responded with smart bombs and with... um, Coordinated attacks. The problem is, is here's what the Palestinians do. They build their rockets. They build their little um, their their silos. They build their uh, their little stations right next to hospitals and schools and residential areas so that if you're not careful, if you're not precise on where you shoot back to blow up uh, these rocket launchers you're going to wind up blowing up a bunch of children or a bunch of sick people. And then, of course, you're going to be vilified by the United Nations because, well, how could you blow those people up? So this is what Hamas does. This is what these uh, these radical Palestinian types do. So they fire these rockets. And I want to make sure that I emphasize to you that the rocket fire that Hamas puts into Israel is indiscriminate. It's completely random. They're not targeting any one thing. They're just hoping to hit anything they possibly can with these. They're very low-tech rockets. They have a range of about eh, 40 to 80 miles or so. And it's just kind of like throwing a high-tech rock up into the air. And then as soon as it runs out of fuel, it just drops and it blows something up. Whatever it hits, it blows up. So these rockets supposedly cost the, the folks, the Hamas, they supposedly cost them about 500 bucks each. Now, Israel has an Iron Dome, what they call the Iron Dome. This is actually uh, technology that the United States brought to the Israelis some time ago. Sort of a very upgraded... you remember the old Patriot missile system back when uh, Saddam Hussein was around? And in the first Gulf War, during Operation Desert Shield and Operation Desert Storm, Saddam Hussein fired these SCUD missiles. They're these very non-sophisticated, kind of similar, actually, to what the Palestinians are firing. They're a little bit better than that. But these SCUD missiles, they would come in toward Tel Aviv or Jerusalem or somewhere in Israel. And the United States came up with a little missile battery shield system here. Uh, They came up with this Patriot missile that would shoot down SCUDs. So building off of that technology, of course, a lot more sophisticated now, they gave the Israelis this, what's called an iron dome, and there's a computer system that tracks any incoming projectile and it figures out its, its precise trajectory and then determines whether or not it needs to fire an anti-missile device into the skies and knock it down. Now, these anti-missile projectiles cost Israelis about th- 100000 bucks each. It's very sophisticated technology, but the whole thing is quite expensive. And the, uh, these, these radical Hamas, they're just sitting there lobbing in bombs, just left and right. Some of them just fly off into the sea. Some of them wind up hitting nothing. And some of them hit apartment buildings or malls or churches, synagogues, whatever. They, they wind up hitting just anywhere. It's completely indiscriminate. Well, over the weekend, you should have seen some of the coverage, especially on MSNBC, they're actually chastising israel for defending themselves they're doing these like man on the street interviews even and some of these people that are out protesting israel right now saying that well israel is just they're taking you know the hamas all they're doing is firing these little firecrackers into israel and then they're responding disproportionately really how would you feel here in the United States if Canada started lobbing bombs into like Minnesota or Washington state or something like that? And we responded. I mean, would we just sit here and go, well, you know, they're just, they didn't really hit anything this time. So I guess we shouldn't respond. Hey, this one time. And then finally they do hit something and they kill a few people. Well, that's, you know, that's not that big a deal. I can't believe the media really sits here and and you should see it. I mean, this is not just, I'm not making this up. You go watch MSNBC. You go watch some of the commentators there. And it's remarkable. About the only thing I can attribute some of these media members' hatred for Israel to is anti-Semitism, plain and simple. They hate the Jews. They hate Israel. They hate the fact that the Israelis are there for some reason or another. And I don't know how, why this is. I don't know why this is so prominent. You know, the French have the same feeling. There's There have been protests across Europe. There have been protests um, in, in Canada and in front of the United Nations. But the People are just getting upset because Israel is being attacked. Israel is being attacked constantly, day after day after day. And this isn't just a brand new thing, incidentally. They estimate that between... The end of 2009 and now, for the last three years, more than 5,000 rockets have been fired into Israel. 5,000 rockets. Can you imagine if another country, if like Mexico or Canada fired 5,000 rockets into the United States? This wouldn't even be a discussion because we would have just blown them completely to smithereens. We would have turned their country into a parking lot. But the Israelis have sat there, and they have tolerated this. For three years, they have taken more than 5,000 rockets, not to mention all the suicide bombings. They did build that giant wall, but every once in a while, they still have suicide bombings there. People manage to get in there occasionally and still do that. And uh, there are people that somehow still think that that Israel is to blame. I, I... Somebody has to explain it to me. And I know, put down your anti-Semitism, all right? If you can get past that and have a rational discussion as to why Israel is to blame or why it is that Israel is, you think that they're acting disproportionately, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear a good justification. I so far have not heard one. Aside from, well, they're just Jews. I don't care. The, the, the Jews, they're always in the wrong anyway. I've always, I have always keep hearing that. I keep hearing these ridiculous, weird justifications of the media. I don't know. All right. Uh, Speaking of the media, I don't know how many of you saw this over the weekend either, but uh, guess who was on Saturday Night Live? Yes, everyone's favorite governor, the fearless Chris Christie, was on Saturday Night Live over the weekend. Now, I didn't actually see the appearance. I just saw that he was on there, and I I read a little bit about it, but... uh, Forgive me, but I thought that the people of New Jersey just had a natural disaster blow through there about three weeks ago. And that there are people that are still without power. There are people that are still without their homes. There are people that are still looking for some compensation and uh, food and shelter and all this kind of nonsense. And I can only imagine if I was in New Jersey right now and my home was either damaged or destroyed, And I managed to get to a friend's house who does have power, who does have cable or satellite or something. And I'm sitting there. I decided to turn on the TV for a little bit of entertainment to cheer up my otherwise dreary life from losing my home. And I turn on Saturday Night Live and I see my governor on Saturday Night Live yucking it up and making jokes and self-effacing fat humor and all this other kind of stuff. And uh, I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. Why is he on TV when I'm still suffering? Why is he on TV when I still have problems, when this state still has so many problems? If I were the governor of New Jersey, I wouldn't have time to be entertaining the masses on Saturday Night Live. I would be busy trying to get my state back together. That's just me. Maybe I'm different, but I thought that if you're elected as the chief executive officer, essentially, you are you are the CEO, you're the big cheese, you are the chief executive of the state of New Jersey, all right? You are ultimately in charge. The buck stops with you. Don't you think that maybe you would be out there doing a little bit more than yucking it up on Saturday Night Live? Oh, yeah, you know. Come on, man. its It's time to get a little serious here. You have people that are still... Uh, in, in bad situations in the state of New Jersey. Yeah, things are getting better. Yeah, FEMA finally decided to show up. Some people finally decided to help out. There's There's been a few changes. Things are looking up a little bit. Still, I don't think you should have your governor running around on Saturday Night Live and making jokes and being all happy and fun-loving when you have this still very desperate situation for some people going on in your state, the state that people have elected you to help protect and defend. What are you doing? What's going on? Speaking of that, where the hell is Barack Obama? Oh, well, he, he's going to get around to helping out the folks in the Northeast as well. He's going to get around to dealing with that situation right after he goes to Burma. Yes, he wants to be the first president, or he's he is going to be, he is the first president to ever appear in Burma. Well, that's good. I'm glad you're going into the record books for that. The people did reelect you, and I bet that some of the people that reelected you were even in the Northeast and were devastated by Superstorm Sandy. And they would probably like to hear your thoughts on how things are progressing. But you know, right now you're busy getting into the record books and you're off in Burma and in Cambodia. And uh, a lot of very important stuff going on in Cambodia these days, as, as I understand it, um, and Thailand and just all over uh, Asia and whatnot. So I get it. You're off in Asia. And I, I'm sure that what you're doing over there is extremely important. It's probably a lot more important than the suffering of people in the Northeast U.S. I get it. I, I understand. You're in the record books. You're the celebrity in chief. You're doing whatever it is that you do. That's fine. That's fine. But uh, the, the, the meter's running, Mr. President. We would like to see some answers. I would like to know. I'd like you to give another speech, maybe, and address what's going on. You're the guy that always gives these press conferences and these speeches. You're always out there, always in front of a microphone, always in front of a camera. So why not address the victims of Superstorm Sandy? I've only been calling for this on this podcast now for, what, three weeks, maybe? Well, since the storm i wanted to see what the response has been. And it has been painstakingly slow. Yeah, FEMA's in there. Yeah, they're getting some help. I would just like to hear the president talk about it a little bit more. Wh- why not? The media was so critical of President George W. Bush following Hurricane Katrina. So why can't I be somewhat critical of President Obama following another natural disaster in which there has been a very bad response? And it's not just President Obama. It's Governor Chris Christie. It is... Uh, it's all across the board. It's Governor Cuomo of New York. I want some speeches. I want some answers. I want people to be held accountable. I want some heads to roll. Why not? Why? What's wrong with looking for a pound of flesh when clearly some people were wronged here? Boy, oh boy, I can't believe it. (laughs) You got a governor that's spending so much time on Saturday Night Live. He's taking a page right out of the president's playbook when's uh, the president due to appear on David Letterman again or Jay Leno or Jimmy Kimmel or or who's Jimmy Fallon when is he going to appear on those shows because he's due he hasn't been on one of those shows in like two weeks so I'm sure he's due to reappear oh my goodness okay Um. I gotta I gotta take a break I've already been going on for 25 minutes almost and I am sometimes it's a wacky world and I'm just far too much in disbelief over all of it we don't have any more damn twinkies i can't get a a ding dong or a ho-ho or a donut gem i can't get any of these things anymore because because you guys decided you unions thanks a lot guys i mean really how am i supposed to maintain my girlish figure can't have my twinkies and ho-hos at least the donut place by my house is still open that's good news All right, when we continue, we'll have the Michael Graff Show Stupid News File. That's all ahead. Also got to talk about a guy in Oakland that gets arrested by the TSA for wearing a watch at the airport. It's a little bit more complicated than that, but that's pretty much the bottom line, the nuts and bolts of the story. And whatever else is on my mind, it'll just drift out eventually. You know how it goes. It's the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. We'll be back. It's the torturous journey through the mind of a madman. Prove to yourself what scientific tests prove. You're listening to The Michael Groff Show. I've been there. Is segment number two. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Grav Show and we do have this report in. Hot off the presses. Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, has seen his shadow. We will have at least six more weeks of bad officiating. I don't know how many of you caught it over the weekend, but boy, oh boy. Was the officiating bad this weekend or what? I thought the replacement refs were back. I thought I thought there was another union strike in the offing. The I thought the referees just decided to get up and walk right on out. It was bad news. The Falcons Cardinals game over the weekend that was one shining gem of an example. I don't know if you saw that Redskins game either. The uh, wow, that was atrocious. Redskins Eagles. The Redskins got a lot of gifts in that game thanks to the officials. Yeah, Christmas came early. Oh, well. Mike at kmgx.com is our email address. It is Mike at kmgx.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. Groff Show on Google Talk. Michael Groff on Twitter. And for everything else Michael Groff related, you know you can always go to the one and only MichaelGroff.com. While you're there, feel free to post, leave your feedback on this or any other podcast, donate to this program, you can check out the Twitter feed. You can email us. It's all there with the one and only amazing, fantastical portal that is com. See, uh, this, is, this is good. So the TSA strikes again, although this time there could actually be some justification for it. See what you think. A Southern California man was arrested at the Oakland International Airport after security officers found him wearing an unusual watch. They said that this could be used to make a device, like a bomb. Jeffrey McGann, 49, of Rancho Palos Verdes, was taken into custody Thursday night after he tried to pass through security with an unusual, ornate watch that had switches wires and fuses, according to Sergeant J.D. Nelson, a spokesman for the Alameda County Sheriff's Department. A bomb squad arrived within five minutes and determined that there was no explosive device on the watch, uh, but the checkpoint was closed until officers had secured the area. McCann was taken to Santa Rita Jail in Dublin where he was charged with possessing materials to make an explosive device, sheriff's officials said. He was still in custody Friday night and was unable to be reached for a comment. McCann told Transportation Security Administration officials that he was an artist and the watch was art. While no actual explosives were found, McCann was carrying potentially dangerous materials and appeared to have made alterations to his boots, which were unusually large and stuffed with layers of insoles. Yeah, maybe because it's winter. Well, it's, it's late autumn now. Maybe because he was going on a trip, and maybe his watch was art. You know the problem with the TSA and the problem with these people is uh, they, they're looking around. Here's your average dude. Here's some forty-nine-year-old guy with some weird watch. He doesn't have any explosives. You've already determined that he didn't have anything. He ha- it was unusual though because he had alterations to his boots, and he had a he had uh, his boots were layered. You could stop anybody in the Minneapolis-St. Paul airport starting in about November, December, January, you know, right around there. And they're all going to have boots that look like that. You could stop anybody like Aspen, for example, or Colorado. And this guy, who knows where he was traveling? It doesn't say here. A profile for a person named Jeffrey McCann was found on his LinkedIn.com site, and it lists him as an owner and creative director for a media production company called Generator Content. He attained his art degree from the Center of Design, uh, from the College Center of Design in um, Pasadena from 1984 to 1987, according to the website, blah, 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 blah. So um, that's what we know about this guy. Yeah, he, he, a guy probably is a terrorist. Some dude wearing some shoes and he has an unusual watch. That sounds like a terrorist to me. Should probably lock that guy away. Under the NDAA, I think he'll be locked away for the rest of his life. We'll never hear from him again. I'm surprised we even know his name now. And this is good. You know, ever since that that law passed in Washington and Colorado, stories like this have been popping up. So this company that makes marijuana dispensers, they say that their stock is getting high, man. Whoa. No, but seriously, literally, MBDX, it's a company called Medbox. That's the people that make the dispensers. They say that their shares of their stock surged 3,000% this week from roughly $4 a share on Monday to $215 on Thursday, then they did fall back to $100. Well, you know, they, they came down from their high, man. <laughs> but still, if you bought a stock, if you bought in at 4 bucks a share and you're still sitting at 100 yeah, you probably are a little bit upset because you could have sold for 250 but you had 100, and you know that that stock's going right back up as soon as Washington State and Colorado get it figured out because at least the Colorado legislation, they say that it has to go into effect on December 6th, but they just don't have all the means and all the ways to tax and all, all the stuff that goes along with the law itself. But still, in a news release today, the company said that the stock's rocket launch has sent its market cap skyrocketing from 45 million dollars at the start of the week to a staggering 2.3 billion this is a company that's worth 2.3 billion dollars a dispensary people that put in marijuana dispensary they were 45 billion bucks on or 45 million with an m 45 million on monday on thursday they were worth 2.3 billion (laughs) that's just that's remarkable that's that's what one law does Anybody that's against legalization of marijuana, I mean, look at the impact on the economy already. And just wait till you start taxing this. You get people that smoke weed. I'm telling you right now, people that smoke weed, they will buy it. It's just like alcohol. Really. It's actually less dangerous than alcohol. People are just going to buy it. They're going to smoke up and you're going to rake in tax revenue like you couldn't even imagine. At the height of the trading this week, $600,000 Six hundred to $700,000 worth of purchases were made. An unusually high volume for a company of that size. It was astonishing. They also go on to say here um, that they really couldn't understand why this was happening other than the fact that there was a high demand for a stock with limited supply because it's a dispensary and the law is about to go into effect. Medbox is in discussion with its attorneys to see if it can reward early investors with company-owned shares they don't want company-owned shares. They just want weed. Let's see. But it's very risky to invest in drugs prohibited by federal law. Nearly 500 of the estimated 3,000 dispensaries nationwide have closed for uh, or, or were shut down by the federal government in the past year, according to slickguide.com. This is the more unusual part. And this is the area that we really haven't even talked about this Aside from, I think a couple years ago, we talked about how there was a raid on a Michigan medical marijuana dispensary. But this is now a law in the state, in the state of Colorado and in Washington, where marijuana is just plain straight up legal. No cards, no nothing. You can just, you set up a dispensary, people come by, they buy a bag. You can possess up to an ounce. An ounce is a lot, especially with pot today. An ounce is a lot. All right. Look, it doesn't take more than a couple of hits and you're feeling it. You don't even need to smoke a whole bowl. If you smoke an entire bowl and if you do it too fast, listen, man, you're going to be immobilized. There's a couple of problems here. One federal law says you can't have marijuana. It's a violation of federal statutes. Obviously, federal statute oversees. It supersedes state law. Nevertheless, Cops in your local jurisdiction in Colorado or Washington state are not going to turn around and sit here and enforce drug laws. They're really not, especially if it's okay in the state books. They really don't care. They're not going to write it up. They're not going to turn you over to the feds because that's just way too much paperwork. Frankly, if the feds want to enforce it, the feds will have to come in and do that. And they have done that in certain areas in the state of Michigan. They did that a couple of years ago. They've done it in other states. Uh, They did a couple of times in California. They've shut down a few dispensaries here and there. And that's a chance we have to take. And that's why, obviously, making an investment in something like this, if we're going to have a serious discussion about it, if you're going to make an investment into a dispensary, you do understand that you are buying something that is distributing a federally prohibited substance. Nonetheless, I'm sure there will come a point in this country... I never thought I'd say this, but I'm sure there will come a time in this country where marijuana may become legalized. I don't know if it'll happen anytime soon, but knowing that the shift in this country has gone a little bit further to the left, knowing that we are moving towards social liberalism ever so slowly, like an iceberg, but we're, we're getting there. Actually, it's, it's becoming uh, faster and faster. It's definitely accelerating, and I don't really have a problem with it. I know that there will come that point, though, where we overturn these federal statutes. And when that happens, I think uh, everything's going to be great. In the meantime, states are going to handle this on their own. What what happens? Do we go to court over it? Is this a 10th Amendment issue? I know there are already existing federal laws. Does this go before the Supreme Court? What's going to happen with all of this? Because the state is going to be profiting off of this. State of Colorado and Washington, they're going to come up with a way to tax this with the, through the dispensaries. And if that happens, what does the Fed do? What can the federal government do? And if the federal government tries to do something, will the state step in and say, you know what? You can't do this. I don't care. We don't care what the law says. This is now putting money in our coffers. This is helping to balance our budget. And that's part of the selling point for legalization of marijuana. Never mind what you may think about it morally. You know, put down your ethics and put down your Bible for a second. Let's just face it. These are tough economic times. And there is nothing wrong with the legalization of marijuana. I mean, if we're going to have alcohol legal and we're going to have cigarettes legal, you might as well just take the full Monty here and have marijuana legal. You're going to get a bunch of tax revenue from it. You're going to have a balanced budget. There's really not a whole lot you have to worry about here. I think it's win-win. Accept it. And as for my thoughts on whether or not it'll become legal across the country, I don't know. As long as Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, North and South Dakota, and a few other Western states are around, Tennessee, yeah, Kentucky, as long as states like that are around with their Bible belt, uh, I don't know. I really don't know if that is ever going to be a realistic possibility. States still have quite a bit of pull. You ain't going to make no weed legal around here. They can show up to the polls. They can be totally drunk. These yahoos. They can be blown out of their skull on moonshine. And they can be smoking a cigarette. But they will sit there and object to marijuana. While they're swilling down their old Milwaukee or Bush beer or Budweiser, whatever the hell, these rednecks, these toothless rednecks are going to sit there and drink while they're chastising people that smoke marijuana. Hey, you guys, you know, the Bible says it's that mentality that you have to fight against. It's the Bible belt that you have to fight against. Most other people have decided that this is okay. I'm just looking at it right now, never mind the fact that I would enjoy it also. I would enjoy that marijuana would become legal in more states. I think that would be wonderful. But let's look at it just from the financial aspect. Man, what a great thing. What a great thing! There's there's part of that revenue. There's part of that income uh, revenue stream that everybody wants, and that is so necessary to balance budget. I bet Colorado now has a balanced budget after all this goes through. If they manage to follow through, if they get taxation out of this, yeah, I would uh, really think that the, you're looking at a balanced budget for the state of Colorado. The people like it, and Colorado is somewhat a conservative state. I mean, in some regard, it is. It's more conservative than the state of Washington. And yet they still managed to get it passed there. The state that, ever, that totally surprised me was a couple of years ago when California rejected, me, uh, not medical, but uh, rejected marijuana completely. That was very bizarre. All right, well, these are just things to think about as we go forward. Certainly there's going to be interesting legal challenges and a lot of stuff to talk about on the show. And that's really what matters to me is, are there going to be things to talk about? And as it turns out, it looks like there's going to be. All right, meantime, I do have to take a break. We will get into more of this stuff. We've got the Michael Groff Show Stupid News File still ahead and whatever else I feel like throwing at you, you know. We'll get to it. Stick around. More coming up. Michael Groff Show. Yeah. It's the zip code famous. Michael Groff Show. We're so close. Segment number three, it's the zip code famous Michael Groff show on a Monday, November 19th, 2012. Mike at KMGX.com is our email address. That is Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff show on AOL Instant Messenger. Groff show on Google Talk. Michael Groff on Twitter. And for everything Michael Groff related, it is the one and only Michael While there, leave your feedback on this or any of the podcasts. Or just... Or of course, just make a donation to our show. You can check out the Twitter feed. Everything else, it's all linked up right there at the one and only MichaelGraf.com. A few housekeeping things here as I look through my desk and see some of the other notes I've had from other shows. Some things I just—I guess—I've neglected to get to. I see that Rihanna has a new single that's come out. I think that's out either tomorrow or it came out last Tuesday. But Tuesday is the day that new singles drop. The uh, business. A. Anyway, uh, so she's got a new single out. Her and Chris Brown have teamed up to make a new single. This is always good. It's called Nobody's Business. And as you know, if Rihanna puts out a single called Nobody's Business, well, with Chris Brown, you know what that's all about. It's all about the fact that it's none of your business what she's up to. And I'll agree with that just as long as you don't call the cops and you don't tell us your sob story the next time he beats the crap out of you. Look, I have total compassion for people that are the victims of abuse, domestic abuse, whatever. But I, my compassion only goes to the point where you know you're in the bad situation, then you eventually decide you're going to get out. And if you go back to said situation, then if something bad happens to you again, at what point do we have to say, well, you kind of are getting what you deserve, you know, and for you to say nobody's business, that's fine, so I'll tell you what, it'll be nobody's business until the cops get involved, and then it becomes the taxpayer's business, so all right, as long as uh, he doesn't beat the crap out of you, fine, fine, but we don't want to hear about it anymore, okay, we don't want to hear your story anymore then, okay, thank you, that's all, Rihanna, nobody's business, and it's just going to be another song that sucks anyway, I haven't heard it I don't know. I heard a little clip, but I can't really, well, I mean, they sound all the same, all these Rihanna songs. I can't tell one Rihanna song from the other. The the only thing I know is whenever I hear that stupid song, Disturbia, I will say that dumb thing will get stuck in my head. I hate Rihanna. I can't stand most pop music. But if I hear that, if I hear that Disturbia, it gets stuck in my head and then I'm done. I'm done for the rest of the day. And, you know, I, oh my goodness. Oh no! 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 Let's. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? That's a good question. Why do I feel like this? Probably because Chris Brown beat the hell out of you. I am not rooting for her to beat, to be beaten. Okay, I am not rooting for anything bad to happen to her. I just don't want to hear your singles. I don't want to hear your music about how it's nobody's business. See, this song, this part, not so much, but just the the opening part and then the refrain. I'll hear it, and then I just walk around singing that one part. It's one of those songs, too, that it only has one real part. I don't even understand any of the words in it except for the word disturbia, which isn't even a real word, but... Well, it is. It's, you know, it's a Rihanna word. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Disturbia. See, nobody knows what the hell she's saying in the rest of the song. I mean, yeah, if you look it up, you know what she's saying. But if you don't cheat, if you just decide you're not going to go to the internet, you don't know what she's, what's going on in there. So that's Rihanna. She's got a new song out. Big deal. That wasn't the new song, for those of you that are going to email me. That's the song that gets stuck in my head. That's the only song I recognize that's different from any of her other songs. All of her other songs sound exactly the same. I wouldn't know one from the other. All right. Um, Oh, you know, we talked about unions and strikes. Well, you know, the other thing that we haven't really gotten into is Target and Walmart. Now, there's a big, big fuss going on right now among the shareholders and among a lot of the workers at Target because... They had this brilliant idea that they're going to open their doors on Thanksgiving night. So after you've consumed all the turkey and the ham and the mashed potatoes and the cranberries and the stuffing and the pumpkin pie and all the other and the beer and the football, and the wine and everything else, you're supposed to drag your tryptophan ass out of the off the couch outside. Waddle your ass over to Target or drive over to Target at 8 p.m. on Thanksgiving night and start buying stuff for Christmas. Because as you know, this year Thanksgiving is especially early. So you'll have more than a month, more than a month to do your Christmas shopping or your holiday shopping. If we're going to be PC around here. Target wants to open up at 8 p.m. on Thursday night. And the workers say, you know what? We're just not going to do that. And Walmart is facing the same problem. In fact, Walmart has employees that are already walking out. They've already started to stage a walkout just to let Walmart know exactly how it's going to feel if you open your doors on Thursday night. We're just not going to participate. Yeah, so let's see. Uh, According to this, at least 30 workers from six different Seattle area Walmarts have already gone on strike. Organizers and Walmart staff at the Our Walmart group said that the group, which is not a union, but has close ties with labor movements, is seeking to protest what it says is a low pay, too few hours, and retaliation by managers against workers who speak out. Look, you're working at Walmart. I'm sorry to tell you this. And and believe me, look, I I know that. Jobs are tough sometimes and it's hard to come by and I understand that some people that have college degrees are being forced to work at Walmart. But here's the thing. If you don't like it, try to get a job somewhere else. We all know that Walmart, that whole managers, uh, man, that whole conspiracy stuff about, hey, managers try to just put down the man. If you speak out, man, managers are going to put the smack down on you. You know what? If you were an employee of mine and, I, and, and you spoke out, I was a manager and you started speaking out, depending on where you were speaking out. I mean, if you were like on the floor speaking out, I would probably tell you to shut up too. They try to suppress us, man. They're trying to put us down, man. Try to put, look, you're working at Walmart. Let's chill out, all right? Let's not take it too seriously here. I understand it's your job. I get it. You're, you're complaining about too few hours, and then they're giving you an opportunity to work. They're saying, all right, we're going to open up on Thanksgiving night at 8 p.m. I thought Walmarts were all open 24-7 anyway, at least the one by my house is. I know that's the super Walmart. Some of them are not. Regardless, so now they're saying, all right, we're going to open the doors Thursday night, 8 p.m., be there, and they're saying, hey, you give us too few hours to work and low pay. Well, the low pay is expected. It's Walmart. They don't have to pay you very much. They're not paying the illegals that they hire. I'm sorry. The <clears throat> They're not paying the undocumented workers that they don't hire because that would be illegal, of course, even though they've been busted for it. Like, they don't pay those guys very much. So what, what makes you think they're going to pay you? <laughs> Walmart. Walmart, you know, look, if you work at Walmart, here's the thing. Work somewhere else. I mean, at least Target pays a much better wage. And Target doesn't totally treat you like crap, only partly. The shareholders at Target are upset about this this 8 p.m. opening on Thanksgiving night, too. They're saying, when does it stop? When do we get to have a say? When is too much just too much? And that's really what people are asking now because... It does seem every year they roll back the opening of the stores just a little bit more for their door buster sales and where people line up outside. And I guarantee you, even they, they, they do it on Thanksgiving night and you are going to have a bunch of drunk tryptophan loaded jackasses that are going to be gathered outside the Target store and the Walmart and they're going to be lined up right at the door. And as soon as you open that door, they're going to trample each other, run over to try and grab whatever they can. They're going to grab anything and everything that's in their path. They're going to smother everybody else, trample everybody else, injure people. There are going to be fights. You know how it goes, especially on Thanksgiving night. Again, people are going to be high. They're going to be on trip to fame. They're going to be on everything. Uh, some people are going to be sleepwalking into the store, incapable of rational thought like zombies, and you try and get in their way, they'll just bite your face off. I don't know if it's such a good idea. From the capitalist standpoint, I think it's a wonderful idea. I don't participate in that. I don't participate in Black Friday. I will not go out. I remember one year, one year, I went to a mall on Black Friday. I promise you, I swear, I will never do it again. If I go out on Friday, yeah, I might go out someplace. I might go to a restaurant. I might go for a walk outdoors, but I guarantee you, I am not going to go to a mall and I'm not gonna go to a retail outlet on Black Friday. I know better because I also can tell you this. I know that the same deal is going to be available either at their online store or it's going to be available next week or the week after. People say, oh, Mike, but you don't get it. The Black Friday ones, those are the best deals. You know when the best deals actually are? Is when the store starts getting desperate to squeeze out every penny of sales, like about the Saturday or Sunday before Christmas. That is when you get some smoking deals. Black Friday is such a a gimmick anyway. What they do is, this is how retail works. I don't know how many of you are aware of this. They mark up the price. They mark up the value of whatever that they're going to put on sale in a couple of weeks. And then when Black Friday comes, it gets marked down about 40%. So it actually is maybe 10% discounted to where it was just a few weeks ago. And I've tried to tell people this. They go, they don't do that. I've had people in retail. I've had them on this show say that that's exactly what they do. That's precisely what they do. They mark up the value of the things that they're going to discount the most beforehand. They don't do it the day before. They do it a few weeks in advance, knowing that that's going to be something that they put in their doorbuster sale. So yeah, it's a little bit discounted, but it's not discounted 75% like you think it is. It's really discounted maybe yeah, 10% or 20% from what it was just a few weeks earlier. Yeah, you might find the one diamond in the rough. But see, if they, if they did that for everything, the store would be out of business. People don't think about these things. I got to get in there. And I got to be the first. I got to be there at 5 a.m. There are people that will get up on Friday morning and they will camp out in a line at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning for a store that opens at 4 or 5 a.m. Black Friday, it is the worst thing. And it it really is also, while they say it's the busiest shopping day of the year, that's a little bit of a misnomer. It's the busiest traveling or commuter day. It's the biggest window shopping day. Not everybody buys on Black Friday. Yes, it's a big retail day, but it's not the biggest. The Saturday or the Sunday before Christmas, those are the biggest. And this year, if I'm not mistaken, I believe... And I might be wrong about this, but I think Christmas falls on what, a Tuesday? So that Sunday, that Saturday and Sunday before Christmas is going to be big. I probably should take this opportunity right now just to say I'm not really a big fan of this time of year. I'm not a huge fan of Christmas. I don't like the the whole month of well, I don't I don't know. The the, the last couple of months, I don't know. It's just something I don't even want to get into it. It's just I'm not trying to be bah humbug about it. It's just stress and just a bunch of other stuff. I don't know. I just get anxiety around this time of year. Maybe I'll ease up. Maybe I just need a drink. I'll just have a Jack and Coke after the show or something. But um, let's see here. Oh, I wanted to bring this up. So Iceland says, you know what? Um, you can take your tourism and shove it. Well, not quite that bad. But Iceland has always been a place that has thrived on tourism. Believe it or not, a lot of people go to Iceland. I actually know people that have gone to Iceland. Apparently, I am told it is spectacular and that I need to go. And maybe, one day, hopefully I will. But Iceland uh, says, look, the tourism dollars, they're coming in, hot and heavy. We're getting a lot of people here. But their love affair with tourists may be cooling. The brewing national concern was summed up by MP Thor Siri, who said in a radio interview that the country... Was becoming overrun Siri said that the nation's solitary Natural beauty had become too busy To truly enjoy Quote, Because there are thousands of foreigners There disturbing you in your own Country Really this is a big concern In Iceland Oh you guys thanks for coming and thanks for touring This frozen Slice of island in the middle of the Arctic but uh, You know uh, there's just too many of you Go home While tour buses have become the norm at sites such as Gullfoss Waterfall, nowhere is the influx of visitors more prevalent than in Reykjavik, a city of only 120,000. Along with the main shopping artery, Lagvargur, vintage clothing stores and Icelandic hot dog stands are slowly giving ground to tourist shops peddling puffin dolls and lava rocks. Wasn't Bjork from Iceland? That's about the only thing, that's about the only person or thing I know from Iceland that has ever become anything notable. Maybe Iceland should just chill out. Yes, Just how to cool it. A new hotel development had been planned for uh, a site, um, but then, of course, the, the, the market downturn stopped. So a lot of hotel developments, a lot of tourist stuff had been planned, and it's been sort of held back a little bit. Now, with a million tourists expected annually in the country, by 2015, developers are hoping to finish new hotels. But as more visitors come and more hotels are built, there's a sense that the city is losing itself. Quote, I doubt we, the artists and musicians, are going to want to be in a place that's destroyed our all-organic cultural value. It's Iceland. I understand. Look, it's, it's probably a very nice place to visit. It's probably wonderful. Just accept it. People actually want to go to a frozen place like Iceland. People want to go there and hang out. You know, they, they want to go there in the summer where the, where the temperature's warm to a, just a, a, a balmy 50 degrees. I mean, people, you know, come on. Yeah, you, you guys see the sun a couple of times a year. Unreal. Oh, well. People will complain about anything. This show is evidence of that, actually. Um, I complain about a lot of stuff. And then it turns out that humanity as a whole complains just as much as I do. In fact, maybe even more so. Wow, we're making too much money from people wanting to come and see a beautiful country. And from what I'm seeing in the the article here, the pictures that they show, absolutely lovely. Looks fantastic. It looks like a place I'd like to check out someday. And I'm serious about that. I really would. But you're going to complain because too many people are showing up and spending money. I do the same thing here in Arizona. Except the difference here is that the people that come and visit Arizona are just... They're people from godforsaken places like Indiana. And Maine. And Vermont. And New York. and They come here... My, my problem with people that come here, really, and I mean this. The people that come here and bitch about the weather. They say they'll come here in the winter. And then we have cool days, and they'll say, I don't like the cold days. I like warm. I don't like it when it's 15 degrees. It's gonna be hot and sunny. It's like, well, you understand, we have winter as well. Yeah, it's not as bad. It's not as harsh as winter in New York or Indiana or Ohio, but it's still winter. It's not 100 degrees here in the winter. That's my problem. Oh, and the fact that people that come here, they... They're just jackasses. phoenixisfull.com, all right? Just understand that. All right. That's it. We're done. Mike at kmgx.com is our email address. It is Mike at kmgx.com. Michael Graff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. Groff Show on Google Talk. Michael Groff on Twitter. And for everything else, and anything else related to me, it is the one and only MichaelGroff.com. While you're there... Feel free to leave your feedback, comments, questions, suggestions on this or any other podcast. Make a donation to our program. We would appreciate that. It's all there. You can connect to us at the one and only michaelgroff.com. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Really do appreciate it. We'll see you for another program again real soon. Have a great night. It's the zip code famous Michael Groff show. I always have a few seconds left over that I just don't know what to do with. I'll just enjoy the music. Yeah. You should too. See, wasn't that enjoyable?